0: You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member
1: of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Yeah, because getting to the Great Cup every year is just awful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, getting that home playoff game every year, I don't like that. I don't like going to that extra game. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You have until June seventeenth to fill out the survey at albertapodcastnetwork.com slash survey. Three cash prizes of a hundred bucks are going to be uh, doiled out there. So head there. Fill it out and let us know how you like the Alberta Podcast Network. That's com slash survey. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Die. Six years ago this week, the Ottawa Red Blacks got their name. That makes them my second favorite team in the CFL. (laughs) (laughs) Not even fair. (laughs) Because <laughs> I'm thinking about Red Blacks' memories. Of course, they're second and 25. And, you know, there's the Grey Cup win in Toronto against the Stampeders. Henry Burris hurts his knee in the warm up and then comes in and is the hero of the day. But my favorite Red Blacks moment is winning that 12th game in 2015, f- forcing Ty mm-hmm. to become Brazilian Ty. Isn't that just iconic?
1: I, I regret nothing. <laughs> you loved it. I think you loved that. Uh, the, the, only, the only issue I had with it was when you know, it was minus 30. But you loved the product. You didn't like
0: the process of getting it.
1: No, but yeah, when it's like minus 30, out, it, it it took took off a layer of insulation, <laughs> which was not ideal.
0: <laughs> this is a jam-packed show, so let's get to it.
1: In the Huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out Podcast.
0: Preseason wrapped up on Friday. The four games this week were all real close and all decided by one score. Argos beat the Ticats 30-23. Allison and Red Blacks actually tied 20-all. Bombers beat the Riders 35-29. And the Lions edged the Stampeders 38-36. Is that a sign of things to come? Hopefully this trend spills over into the season,
1: tie. Uh, it, it would be nice if it did. I don't know. Uh, how much we can really read into it, considering that it's preseason and you know rosters are still in flux, and there's guys playing that we're not going to see uh, in the regular season, and guys still trying to trying to uh, make teams. So I, I can see why it's close. I mean, you kind of it's kind of a crapshoot when it comes to the rosters, but uh, you know, early on in the year, I think uh, games should, I'm guessing, will stay close. Just As everybody kind of rounds back into form and gets everything going again. A couple
0: of these uh, games, well, all of them had position battles still needed to be figured out. And a lot of Mm -hmm. them are going to be figured out, (laughs) you know, a few weeks into the season. One is the quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes. And I know everyone was kind of uh, penciling in Antonio Pipkin as the starter, and he probably will be the starter. But I would actually really like Vernon Adams Jr. to get a, a leg- legitimate shot, and I have to think that the leash on Pipkin is probably pretty short heading into the season. I, I know that he connected with Devere Posey on like a 75-yard touchdown here, but then Vernon Adams comes in on one drive. He had 38 yards rushing. He had a touchdown pass to Quan Bray. Uh, actually, two plays in a row they, they connected on like an 80-yard two-play two drive. I think Adams hasn't really gotten a fair shake in the league yet and football is not fair so that's not really an excuse but he came in with a lot of hype Uh, the Lions had his rights on the negotiation list traded him for a first round pick to Montreal and then he spent time in Saskatchewan and Hamilton and is back in Montreal and last year the kid did everything he could. He ended up getting booed off the field just because he wasn't Johnny Manziel. But I think Vernon Adams has a shot. He's still still young. Has a shot to be the most exciting player in the CFL if he would just get a long-term shot to try and lead an offense.
1: The only problem with that in Montreal is that the offense around him. Uh, you know it's going to be tough for who's ever behind center to run run with that um, I, I totally agree that he has he has the potential to be a guy that we we, we discuss on a weekly basis of you know what a week he had and, and plays a, a legitimate playmaker uh, in the CFL uh, that once they decide whether it's going to be him or Pipkin they'll get the starting job they, they kind of got a I, you said short leash, but at some point there's got to be continuity at the quarterback position if, if a team wants to succeed. Uh, and if it turns out Pipkin gets a job and he legitimately loses it after a couple of weeks, and Adams can come in and start winning football games, uh, then you know that that could be one one way to go. But like you said, he hasn't got gotten a legit shot. Uh, but you look at the guys that he's been behind; uh, it, it's been pretty hard for him with the starting quarterbacks in front of him to get to get any uh, any substantial playing time.
0: The Riders ended up scoring more points in this preseason game than they did in both preseason games combined last year, and there were a lot of positive signs at the quarterback position. I know the game wasn't on TV, and Kalaros ended up throwing an interception, but then he rebounded and went 10 of 15. He ended up throwing for two touchdown passes, and newcomer Mm -hmm. Isaac Harker, looked really good and played himself onto the roster, forcing the Riders to let go David Watford. Is the quarterback play from Zach Caleros encouraging you a little bit heading into week one against the Ticats?
1: Why do you ask me questions that you already know the answer to? (laughs) Because I'm trying to
0: get you off the ledge, man.
1: (laughs) Uh, It it is somewhat refreshing. you know. Like you said, 10 and 15, just... 67%, Sixty-seven percent, one hundred and sixty-three yards. That's a pretty decent day uh, interception. That's to be expected. Uh, it it's better than what we saw last year. Uh, you know, if this trend can continue, you can throw at a sixty-seven percent clip in the, during the season, which isn't the easiest thing to do, uh, and protect the protect the football, and, and you know, stop the turnovers, and uh, you know, maybe. Be able to stretch the field a little bit and not just rely on the three-yard outs and the bubble screens that get us nowhere. Uh, that'll be nice. That being said, if he stays healthy, it could be a vastly different Zach than we saw last year after he came back from the concussion. So uh, refreshing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it encourages. It's, it's encouraging to me uh, until you know we get playing real football games. Coming into the
0: preseason and training gap, I was kind of worried about the future of the quarterback position almost all the way across the league. But lately, in the past week, there were some nice performances from some very young newcomers to the CFL. And I'm going to put Grant Kramer in that category. He led a game-winning drive for the Lions Uh, over the Stampeders. Late in that game, 38-36 was the win. There was a global player there as well. I think Fernando Richarte who had a 16 yard catch on 3rd and 10 to extend that drive. But Kramer looked really good uh, in the last play, in last last series of that game and earned himself under the practice roster for the BC Lions. So well done to him and there are some good young quarterbacks in the CFL. The big news from Saturday. I know it was cut down day. The deadline was 10pm uh, Eastern. But the day started with the Alouettes announcing that they have parted ways with Mike Sherman. Ah. <laughs> it's all about the timing. I, I don't know what else can be said that hasn't been said about this team. But the, the reason cited was that he had trouble adapting to the Canadian game. And I think just about anybody on the outside looking in could have said that uh, around Labor Day last year. <laughs> like, it, it's uh, cl- it, Trouble with the Canadian headsets, too. It's clear that Sherman did not grasp this game Mm-mm. at all, and it seemed like he didn't connect with today's player. And there were rumors that, there was going to be a revolt. I, I don't know how true this is, but Herb Zerkowski of the Montreal Gazette reporting that CFL officials were sitting behind the bench during the Argos als exhibition game to observe Mike Sherman fearing the team was on the precipice of a revolt or mutiny. That is the quote from Herb on Twitter on Saturday. To me, that is insane. But I guess his old school ways don't work anymore. But did Cavis Reed really think that Mike Sherman was a long term solution for the Owls? Uh,
1: probably. That's the uh, scary we, part. That the scary part is that he's still. Uh, you know, I understand getting rid of Mike Sherman. Uh, I I thought after a couple weeks last year, I'm like, I don't understand how he's still here. Uh, they they don't. They didn't have anybody to take over. The scarier part is that Cavis Reed is still in control of this football team, and it makes zero sense. He has no idea what he's doing, it seems. Uh, I saw on Twitter it be referred to as, you know, getting swimming lessons and just throwing him in the Pacific Ocean, and he's never swam before. And it's like, here you go. Good luck. And he's shown in the last couple of years that he he cannot build a competitive roster uh, you know, it's a revolving door with the coaching staff. It, it's embarrassing. Uh, and now that the league has taken over, I don't see them making any changes because they're not going to want to spend the extra money because Cavis is still under contract. So it's just, he's just going to drive it further and further on the ground. Uh, and this year, if they do have any success, it's I, I think it's going to be in spite of Cavis Reed. Granted, he did make some really good additions on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. But it's still, it's it's just so bad in montreal and like you said with the if the mutiny and the revolt thing is true uh then uh, you got to look at the guy making the decisions from the top to bring in these people that uh aren't able to reach the players uh in the way they need to
0: offensive coordinator kahari jones is going to be the interim head coach and he was the man calling the plays last year as well the alouettes mm-hmm. offense Really struggled. Uh, it, it, apparently, when Sherman first came in, he was going to start calling the plays once he adapted to the Canadian game. That never happened. Uh, Kahari doesn't really have the horses, so I, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna crap on him there. I, I feel like there's going to be a bit more continuity going into this season for him, but he's got even more on his plate, and I think this. Uh, I'll say this about Kahari, He's been on CFL sidelines for the past decade. At least they have a guy that has CFL experience in there. There's been some and
1: embarrassing that, that hires
0: made for that team mm-hmm. that have seen nothing to do with this league. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and like you said, he, he was play calling last year. doesn't have the horses. Well, then you need to adapt your play calling. Right. And, you know, call plays to set your team up for success. And if you don't do that and, and you're putting guys in positions where they're not going to be successful and the plays are not going to get made, then you're just compounding the issue and not helping.
0: Last year, there were three former NFL head coaches in the league in June Jones, Mark Tressman and Mike Sherman. Now they are all gone. <laughs> uh, it all happened at once. There's been all kinds of names being thrown around as to the permanent head coach for the Owls. I'm, I'm not going to crap on Kahari. I listened to the uh, conference call when they introduced him as head coach. He's all class. It, it's not a good situation. He's kind of come into a terrible situation to become head coach in the first place. So, I mean, best of best of luck to him. The Owls' preseason game on Thursday was actually quite uh, fun to watch. They were pushing the ball down the field and actually having success with it with uh, Pipkin and Adams. So if they keep doing that in the season, the Owls could be an entertaining team this season. But names were thrown around like Glenn Constantine, uh, leader of the Laval Rouge Or, and Danny Machocha has been as well, of course, uh, with the Montreal Carabin in uh, Quebec there. I don't know if these guys are. Uh, I mean, Machocha has CFL experience. He's been all, gone for over a decade. Constantine hasn't but I mean the success of Laval and his name in the province with football there might be a good thing for that team but I don't know can they do anything once I I would probably ride Kahari for the whole year because the Bombers are going to have a tough decision to make between Paul Lapelise and Mike O'Shea with the new football operations cap at least the way I see it I'd give the keys to one of those guys next year
1: and if I am, if I am one of those guys that were mentioned, and you know maybe they've been talked to or any, or or maybe they haven't been—I don't know—I'm not taking the job as long as Cavis Reed is still in there. Still in there. I want—I want nothing to do with him running a football team.
0: Or who wants the, the job? That's the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the bigger issue: is who's going to want the job, not who they want to take the job.
0: Cutdown day uh, was on Saturday as well. You know, every every year there seems to be a star veteran that ends up getting let go. This really wasn't the case this year. I mean, Shamod Chambers and uh, Anthony Coombs were let go. Uh, nothing crazy. Ernest Jackson was let go, but on the day of the cuts nothing that crazy. Let's just go through the teams a little bit one or two from each team. The Lions up end up letting go Julian Laurent. He was the first rounder last year so they invested a lot in him at defensive tackle and didn't pan out. He's been let go. The Stamps end up cutting a couple players that from all reports seem to stand out at uh, camp. Defensive back Gump Hayes and running back Ladarius Galloway I just think it's probably the toughest roster to crack in the Canadian Football League and that's where the issues lied there. Uh, Julan Lynch was the second rounder in 2017 and defensive lineman Michael Kashik were let go. The big thing from the Stampeders that they had five picks in the first four rounds and they are all making the team. That just shows how well that this team has been drafting and that Canadian talent has been carrying this team into their run of success over the past decade.
1: Uh, and it costs control, right? It, the, those rookies are going to be cheaper than the veterans or, or guys that have been in the league for one or two years, and that allows you to spend money in other places uh, where you like, you know, they did sign Bo Levi to a pretty big contract this offseason. Uh So cost does come into it, and with with the cap, I know it'll I know it'll go up uh, every year. But uh, you know, if you can stay cheap for as long as possible, the cheaper you can keep players, the better. I know the players don't like it, uh, but that's just the reality of having a hard cap. <laughs> um, teams got to get creative and and find a way to keep keep these guys and like Julian Lynch uh so hard for him to crack this roster with all the guys they had on it. Uh, and then you look at the running backs that they've had and, and they can, and they still do, it's really hard to, to break in there. Uh it but like I said the drafting on the Calgary Stampeders and the Canadian talent they have amassed through this run has just been unbelievable.
0: The Eskimos end up cutting defensive back Nick Taylor. He had 46 tackles for the Eskimos last season, but defensive backs Taekwon Glass, Josh Johnson, and Brian Walker all stepped up in camp. The Ticats cut Justin Vaughn, a local product that uh, the Ticats drafted in 2017. There's a lot of those 2017 draft picks that are getting uh, cut this year. They get, you know, two years with the team, and if they're not – um, improving that much going into the third year the salaries are going up a little bit. Those new draft picks can come in and they can, uh, they can beat those guys for jobs.
1: And yeah, if you're not going to improve in those two years, uh, you know, if they can get a guy for half the price and can do the same thing as you, it's going to be really tough for you to keep a job. Somewhere high on linebacker, Lucas Walker
0: or Waka, sorry, to maybe, take the starting middle linebacker job with uh, the departure of Larry Dean, but it looks like Justin Tuggle is going to get that job. He spent time with the Argos over the last two years. He's had 94 tackles, including, uh, 17 special teams tackles as well. The Owls end up letting it go. A couple veterans, Gabe Napton and Jermaine Robinson were let go. Uh, Canadian quarterback, Chris Merchant was cut, uh, A draft pick that a lot of people were high on coming into this year's draft. Chris Osikusi and offensive lineman Samuel Thomasant is going back to school. Both those guys are. The problem with Chris Merchant looks like Hugo Richard played for Laval. He came in and he actually was playing special teams a little bit. He makes the practice roster. Maybe that's the local guy that they want to develop to hopefully, you know, become a star sometime with this team or at least keep him around and the fact that he's willing to play special teams that'll keep him on the roster
1: and special teams especially in the cfl because the roster sizes aren't the same as they are in the nfl you you have to be very versatile and be able to play uh you know whether it's offense or defense but you got to be available to play special teams and know uh what you're doing out there and, and make plays and he showed that he could do that Uh, and and the versatility goes a long way especially in this league the Red Blacks cut
0: Ironhead Gallon. is that's uh, who I was uh, cheering for to get into the league this year just because of that name but he tore an Achilles against Montreal on Thursday and that just seems to be a trend that's getting more and more common and they end up putting Devontae Dedman on the suspended list there's a Kind of rumor out there that he's hurt. He had a 100 yard kick return in one of their preseason games for a touchdown. So I think he's uh, deserved a longer look from the Red Blacks, but putting him on the suspended list just means that uh, they get to protect him a little bit lo- longer. The Riders cut defensive back 32 year old Cresden Butler, uh, defensive lineman Chad Jeter, and quarterback David Watford, who uh, I think was a bit of a Chris Jones. Project, But Isaac Harker came in and played Watford mm-hmm. off the team. Uh, Butler, man, I, I do wonder if the Riders are kind of making a ratio switch at a cornerback there. But I don't know if they have to make it right now because of uh, Elamimian being hurt. But it does look like maybe a Cam Judge and Dyshawn Davis are going to be the starters at linebacker. But I mean, 32 years old. And there were times last year when he was a healthy scratch. So, I mean, when that happens, you have to assume that the, the times mm-hmm. come into a close uh, pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, it's a kind of a red flag, so to speak, uh, whether he's on the outs with the coaching staff or just not playing up to par. Uh, once you start getting healthied, uh, it starts almost looks like it spells the end. Uh, You know, you see it in every sport, guys start getting more and more time off. And when they do play, they're just, they're out of sync and and they're not able to produce like they did, which in turn gets them healthy scratch the next week again. And it's just a vicious cycle. And then, you know, they're they're released because the the coaching staff can't find a spot for them. And it's kind of, it's their own doing. And I guess both both sides could be, have some blame. Uh, But when you keep healthy scratching a guy and expect him to perform the same way, it's very rarely that that happens.
0: The Argos end up cutting uh, three former Rough Riders, Josiah St. John, Tyler Cropinha, and Brandon Bridge. I don't know what the future holds for Brandon Bridge. He's uh, he's a real athletic guy. I, I do wish him all the best. And YouTube star Donald De La Hay ends up making uh, the practice roster. So <laughs> good for him. Uh, On to the Bombers. They end up cutting Rashawn Simon-Eyes. Who was the 12th overall pick last year. But it looks like Daniel Peterman, third-round pick last year, has outplayed him. So Simon Eyes got let go, and he's already signed with the BC Lions. Uh, The Bombers also let quarterback Brian Bennett go, who impressed some people in this camp. But the Bombers decided to go with the younger, again, probably cheaper option, quarterback
1: rookie Sean McGuire. They still have Chris in under contract, and oh, yeah. you know they obviously have their starter in Matt Nichols. Uh, so the third quarterback spot is really the only open one on the roster, and you're probably not going to get a lot of playing time. But if he can play behind Nichols and, and Streveler and watch and learn, uh, it, it can help. It, it'd be good for any any rookie or young kid coming into the league uh, to be behind those two guys.
0: Yeah, and they may be just saw more upside with him uh, mm-hmm. as they develop him more into a CFL quarterback. And-
1: and we know if we see Sean McGuire getting playing timer on a regular basis that there's bigger issues because yeah. something's something went terribly wrong in Winnipeg. Before we get to our team previews and
0: predictions for the season, uh, this episode of 2 and Out is brought to you by ATB Financial. And if you're a small business owner, check out ATB's booster feature. Head to ATB. Booster, without an E, dot com. It's really cool. It's kind of like a reward-based crowdfunding uh, platform, so a little bit like, uh, you know, sort of a GoFundMe, but you can offer rewards to the people that help your your business out. If you're a, a cafe, you need a new espresso machine, I don't know, a barbecue joint, you need a new smoker, Anything like that, uh, you can look to your customers to help you out with the booster campaign and you can offer them some rewards in the process. It's really cool what ATB Financial does for businesses and small business owners and entrepreneurs. They're so supportive to those people and that's uh, the people that make this country go around. So check out ATB Financial with their booster feature, ATB Financial. Booster.com, and that's A-T-B-B-O-O-S-T-R.com. All right, let's try to go through this as fast as we can. I know it's going to take some time, but we're going to preview the Toronto Argonauts right now, who actually, I thought, made some great additions uh, heading into this season, uh, just highlighting some of them. Defensive back Kevin Fogg, uh, wide receiver Darrell Walker, Toby Antigua from the Rough Riders, Poop Johnson, who, yeah, <laughs> I know, I, I I couldn't call him Corey there, but... There is a lot, a lot of additions here. Linebacker Micah Awe, uh, Sean Lemon, Chris Rainey, Tyrell Sutton. They've all made the team. And the Argos, ho, oh, oh, they've scored, what, 75 points in their two preseason games? I know it's preseason, but they seem to be clicking and uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson mm-hmm. and James Franklin they seem to be playing some good football right now and so far they have they've kept both of them
1: uh, and that's not a terrible problem to have no uh, <laughs> we saw it last year both guys are able to win football games uh you know a guy like James Franklin with all the rushing touchdowns kind of brings a different aspect than than McLeod Bethel Thompson so it kind of changed what the defense has to do and you got two guys that can start a football game for you any week, uh, and it's unless they're gonna, they they might go the platoon idea and just who's ever got the hot hand. Uh, but you know, having to make a decision on who's going to be your starting quarterback uh, when they're these two guys is a good thing, uh, as opposed to the situation in Ottawa where it's kind of <laughs> like, okay, I guess we have to pick one.
0: <laughs> they are now without Duron Carter, who really didn't do much when he ended yeah. up signing with the team. Ricky Ray, I know uh, he only played you know a game and a half last mm-hmm. year anyway, but no longer with the team. It's worth noting. Uh, Anthony Coombs, same thing. Injury issues, he is gone. And linebacker Bear Woods, which... Sounded like a broken record. Another guy that had uh, injury Mm -hmm. issues as well. The Argos come into the season with a new head coach. Corey Chamberlain is going to be the man. He was uh, their defensive coordinator when they won the Grey Cup in 2017, and he hasn't been a head coach since he got fired by the Riders in, what's that, 2015 So it it seemed like the players on the Argos really liked playing for him when he was the D coordinator. So (laughs) they seem to be off to a a pretty good start. They've got a lot of talent there in camp, and if the quarterbacks can play well and they can protect the quarterbacks, they might have themselves a nice season.
1: Uh, With the the receiving core they have in Toronto, keeping the quarterbacks upright will be party number one. So they can get the ball out there and, and put up the points that they're going to need to. If you're not scoring, you get, let, let's be honest, 25 points probably it's really tough to win a football game in the CFL with 25 points. Uh, you know, so you need you need to be able to get the ball to the big guys. Uh, and now with Darrell Walker there, I uh, just adds another layer to that to those receivers who are like, quietly kind of they just plug along. It seems week in week out. Uh, you know. If it's not S.J. Green having a big game, it'll be Armani Edwards. Uh, you know he'll he'll come through with a hundred yards and a touchdown or something like that. And now with Drell Walker, there's just another option for those quarterbacks to throw to, and and another wrinkle for the defense to have to deal with two guys that are. Well, S.J. Green is still, uh, you know, a top tier receiver in the CFL. Everybody kind of wrote him off, but uh, if those two stay healthy all year, look out.
0: Jacques Chaptelaine is the new offensive coordinator for the year, and we know how he doesn't really like to run the ball. He might be forced to run the ball this year. I don't know why he wouldn't, with Brandon Burks and Tyrell Sutton and James Wilder Hmm. Jr., who are all on the team. I mean, not running the ball kind of seems ignorant.
1: (laughs) Well, and if you don't run the ball, it makes it that much harder for your passing game because the defense just tees off. On your quarterbacks and your O line, and, and you know you don't you don't win that that line of scrimmage battle, and it makes it really hard for your offense to get going if you can't run a balanced uh, offense.
0: Who are some uh, fantasy options you're looking at for uh, the Argos this year?
1: Uh, well, definitely Darrell Walker. Uh, he's not going to be cheap, uh, especially once uh, once the season gets going. If the, if the chemistry it gets there with either Bethel Thompson or James Wilder. Uh, Of course, S.J. Green and Armani Armani Edwards will be a cheaper option uh, if you can catch him on a heater on a week uh, and Chris Rainey at a flex position. If he's going to be returning kicks, which I would assume would be why they kept him, uh, could be a pretty cheap option going forward as well.
0: Awesome. Let's uh, reveal our standings for the Argos after we uh, go through all the teams here. Let's go to Ottawa here, where the big story is the departures. Trevor Harris, Greg Allington, Sir Vincent Rogers, A.C. Leonard. Oh, man, Deontay Spencer. It's <laughs> William Powell. Oh, man, it's incredible when you go through the, the departures. They They have lost an all-star team, and the additions... Didn't really do much. Uh, Troy Studemeyer was on uh, the Stamps last year. He ended up getting cut. John Jennings came from the BC Lions in free agency. He is not the starter. So the additions for the Red Blacks are going to be a lot of first-year players or young players that Mm -hmm. haven't really made an impact in the CFL yet. And the big plus that the Red Blacks have is you can't say it enough, is the continuity. You look across the league, how many teams have had a change at head coach? The BC Lions, the Saskatchewan Roughriders, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the Montreal Alouettes, the Toronto Argonauts. Over half the league has a new head coach coming into the year. And if that's a positive for the Red Blacks, it's that they still have Rick Campbell as their man mm-hmm. uh, leading them into the 2019.
1: And with that continuity in the front office and on the sidelines, what do they do every year in the first round of the draft?
0: They go in the offensive lineman.
1: They go and they get the best offensive lineman at their at their pick position, and he usually is able to be plugged in within in the first year and and become a part of that line and just building the team. We see it in hockey where you build from the goaltender out. Baseball, you pitching staff more, more or less. Football, to me, you got to build an offensive line cause if you don't have an offensive line, the rest of your offense just, it's so hard to be successful. And a year in and year out, they keep adding to that offensive line, finding the best guys. And, you know, it, it didn't hurt having Ellinson and Deontay Spencer and William Powell and Trevor Harris behind that offensive line. Uh, so they might have the work cut out for them this year offensively, but I don't think the offensive line is going to be the reason why they're losing football games.
0: It looks like Moses Madu is going to be the starting running back to start the season. He's been in the league for a long time. He's earned a shot to at least be given the opportunity. Uh, Crockett ended up being placed on the practice roster, so he's not on the active roster so far. But the passing game conversation really begins and ends with Brad Sinopoli. But let's be honest here. Sinopoly was never the number one read. And this year, he's probably going to have to be. How is he going to handle being the number one guy, probably for Dom Davis
1: to look to, to start the year? I I I don't think he's going to skip a beat. Um, He wasn't exactly the first read, uh, but it seemed, whether it was him, Ellingson, or Spencer, one of them, in any given week would be the number one option for Trevor Harris at some point uh, depending on what the defenses were giving them. And, you know, so, you know, three or four times a three or four times a year, he'd be the number one receiver for that game uh, just based on what the defense was giving them and, and what Harris had to do. Uh, I, I think the bigger issue is going to be getting him the ball uh, just because of the quarterback situation and the inexperience uh, behind center. Caleb Hawley had a
0: couple nice performances in the preseason, but last year R.J. Harris had uh, just under 700 yards on the year, uh, mm-hmm. 697 of them. This might be a year where Harris comes in and he becomes the next right, nearly a uh, thousand yard receiver for the Red Blacks. He's only 27.
1: And they, if they if they can get R.J. Harris up to a thousand yards and have Brad Sinopoli, I, I would assume hit a thousand yards this year. Uh, they got. They got guys like Ryan Langford and Nate Behar that, you know, can fill into RJ Harris's role and, and you know, be that five to 800-yard guy uh, and really help out, you know, carrying the load. But like I said, with Dom Davis back there, we we don't know what we're going to get. And I think that's the bigger issue.
0: Hey, some fans in Ottawa, they're a little bit mm-hmm. of a minority, but they like that uh, they don't have Harris anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, because getting to the Great Cup every year was just awful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, getting that home playoff game every year, I don't like that. I don't like going to that extra
1: game. (laughs) That's just stupid.
0: (laughs) Let's go on to Hamilton, where I think, man, uh, everybody is penciling them in for first in the East, and I think that might be a bit dangerous. You know, all of a sudden, you're expected to be the team that gets that first round bye into the playoffs. So hopefully the Ticats don't overlook any teams. And you can ask uh, our Canadian Football Podcast Network buddies, Podski, Wee Wee, the Ticats can look like the favorites every year, and then they mm-hmm. they plop a 9-9 nine and
1: nine season out there. <laughs> but that, that, win, that gets you a home playoff game in the East.
0: That's probably true,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world.
0: <laughs> they do have a new coach, Orlando Steinauer. They do have a new offensive coordinator, Tommy Condell. So there are changes in Hamilton <laughs> as well. They were able to bring in running back. Cameron Marshall, Tunde Adelike from the Stampeders, which is a big move for them, and defensive lineman Ja'Garrett Davis, but you look at the names that they are losing as well. Linebacker Larry Dean, they lose uh, Terrell Sinkfield, actually, who came back after spending some time in the NFL as a defensive back and really didn't make much of an impact. With uh, the mm-hmm. Ticats last year, but they lose defensive back Courtney Steven, uh, two running backs, a Canadian and Mercer Timmis, and John White goes to BC, and they lose Don Unamba, who is, of course, in Edmonton now. But the Ticats looked like a team that had this depth built up, and I mean, it's never easy to lose linebackers like Larry Dean and Don Unamba at the same time, but they seem set up and ready to take that on.
1: And Knowing what they have in front of them now, uh, you know. With you look at the, like yeah, the West Division is going to be the West Division, and it's going to be crazy, uh, like it has been the last couple of years. But if you look around your own division and realize, you know, we're not in as big a trouble as we as, as it looks like we are. Uh, you know, there is a chance where they only need to win nine or ten games, and they, they're going to be hosting uh, hosting a, a playoff game. But like you said, the depth was there last year. And we had, we saw it with the injuries they suffered on the offensive side of the ball, particularly. Uh, but this is a team that just seems t- to year in year out the last couple of years, anyways. Uh, just they have guys that can just plug and play, uh, and maybe, and not not affect the not affect the team negatively uh, as much as you know other teams when they have to start. They're second, their third-string guys due to injuries, and, and you see the huge hole that it leaves. Uh, you don't see that too much in Hamilton. Uh, it's no—you notice it, but it's not—it's not glaring.
0: We're going to see some newer names, I think, start to make some noise uh, at receiver for the Tie Cats. How do you feel about Brandon Banks heading into 2019? Mm. He broke a collarbone late last year. Do you think he's going to miss a beat? Is he going to slow down a little bit or is he going to be the same old speedy B who we know has a real chemistry with Jeremiah Mazzoli and who mm-hmm. was a big part of Mazzoli's big streak for 300 uh, yard games that he had that ended last year. Uh,
1: if he is healthy and the collarbone is not giving him any issues, I don't see uh, him not returning to form. Uh, you know, he the way that he can ex- explode and and you know expose a defense, uh, you know he can stretch the field or he can catch underneath. He returns uh, when he returns kicks. It, it's it can electrify and he, he can score from anywhere on the field. And when when you can do that, it, it's a huge advantage. But I, I don't see him skipping a beat if the collarbone is is 100 because last time I checked, you don't need a collarbone to run.
0: Yeah. Uh Braylon Addison got onto the roster a few times last year. He only played four mm-hmm. games and it looked like he was mostly uh doing punt returns and kick returns and things like that. I think this year, Braylon Addison might be a guy to watch on offense for the Ty Cats. He's another one of those small guys, five foot nine, but he could be the third option in that Ty Cats offense to uh to maybe be another a thousand yard guy for uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli.
1: When you got guys like Luke Tasker and Brandon Banks, um, you know it, it's it's really hard to be like, wow, what do we we don't have to worry about anybody else. But Braylon Addison, when he got into the lineup, showed that he he could play and, and be a viable option in that offense. Uh, and like I said, they can get three one thousand yard receivers. Uh, Braylon Addison's not going to draw the the best DB on him, uh, so it could be a very viable option to get the ball because uh, teams are going to be focusing on stopping either Tasker or Banks or trying to stop both, and, and you know that gives Hamilton an opportunity to let Braylon Addison hurt hurt some teams and win some football games.
0: And sometimes, what I like to do here is look at you know, we've had it where guys come in late in the season, and I'm talking. Last game, in the playoffs, and then they seamlessly take that into the into the regular season. And here's what Braylon Addison did. The last week of the regular season last year it was the Ticats and the Owls, and he had seven catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. Then when they crushed the Lions in the crossover game, Braylon Addison had five catches for 124 yards. Mm-hmm. And when they did lost Did anybody to- <laughs> did anybody for Hamilton have a bad day that day, though? <laughs> that might be a good point. <laughs> and when the Ty Cats lost to the Red Blacks in the East Final, he had twelve catches for a hundred and twenty nine yards. So he wrapped yeah. up the season with three consecutive hundred yard games. He's gonna be a guy to watch. I really like him. He's 100%. probably cheap. He's probably really cheap on TSN
1: fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh like I said, Tasker and Banks are going to be, you know, oh, the guys yeah. that are going to be the expensive ones, and the guys that you think week in week out are going to be those hundred yard receivers. But Braylon Addison, uh, you know, they're going to have Masoli's going to have options, uh, much like he's had the last couple of years with with those receivers. So uh, if you can get Braylon Addison when he's still cheap before he really starts putting up points, it might be it might be a productive week for you.
0: We talk about we've talked about the Alouettes a lot, but uh, let's move on to them now, where they add defensive back Taylor Loffler uh, playing safety there, Patrick Evans, Evans. Uh, or Patrick Levels and Sionte Evans, uh, mm-hmm. offensive lineman Spencer Wilson, running back Jeremiah Johnson, linebacker Bo Lacombo. And as for losses in Montreal, I really don't see anything of consequence. They lose a veteran defensive back in Joe Burnett. Devon Campbell played a defensive back for them last year. He is a burner and uh, my favorite player in CFL history. Uh, uh,
1: don't say it. Don't <laughs> you dare say it. <laughs>
0: It rhymes with woo dilly <laughs> uh,
1: you shut your mouth when you're talking to me <laughs> I knew yeah. the minute I typed it in there I'm like oh we're going putting talk about it Drew in there really just today. for me
0: <laughs> do you remember Willie Peg when he when he started off that season on fire for the bombers? I still think he has that in him no <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hope Just he know. reserves this somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so the Alouettes have made some great changes on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I know we crap on Kavis a lot, and everybody craps on him a lot, but I thought he made some really good moves. They've got some future guys on the offensive line. If they can develop them, uh, starting with Tyler Johnstone and... Trey Rutherford. If these guys develop into uh, the players that they hope they can be, those are cornerstones of your offensive mm-hmm. line that the Owls will be will be very happy with. But on paper, man they they've made some nice changes and they've got some talent on that roster.
1: Yeah, like you said, Taylor Lawfer and Patrick Levels are those are huge additions on the defensive side, and I wrote about it. On the website last week, it looks really good on paper. Uh, with the turmoil, I guess, so to speak, you could call it in Montreal right now with the coaching staff and all that, we'll see how it all works out. Uh, but these moves are obviously on the, for the positive, and, and you, we didn't even mention Devere Posey being added to that. Yeah. Uh, to the We're receiver. We had a big, long touchdown Cunningham. last week, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those are two guys that can definitely definitely score the football so you know if the defense can be what it looks like on paper and uh, you know they can keep the quarterbacks upright with with the additions of Spencer, Spencer Wilson and the, and the two guys out of the draft like you said if they can turn into what they hope and become cornerstones of that offensive line and keep the quarterback upright uh, you know the, it could be a pretty decent recipe for success uh, moving forward.
0: The, the secondary, they've had guys that have played together in Calgary there. And, I mean, when the secondary, some of those guys are familiar with each other, that's big. And they've had a newcomer defensive back, Greg Reed, who made some punishing hits during yeah. the uh, preseason. Who, all of a sudden, the secondary, they they look not bad. They, they've got some newcomers on the defensive line, along with uh, the ageless wonder Uh, Mr. Bowman there. (laughs) Maybe the sharpest dressed man in the CFL, by the way.
1: Yeah, that's fair to say.
0: Yeah, that's uh, definitely uh, fair to say. So the Owls, I mean, on paper, they look like they might be okay. On the last podcast, you said that if Pipkin starts for the Owls, he's going to be your week one fantasy quarterback. Is there anyone else you really trust? I don't know if I want to have any of them on week one, but...
1: Uh, I'm, look, in first Edmonton. things first, Mike. Mike Riley doesn't cost fourteen thousand dollars anymore. Yeah, so that is a that's a huge that's a huge difference. But I, cost wise, I, I went with Antonio Pipkin just so that I could kind of load up in other spots and not cheat and leave a defense out. So yeah, that's cheating. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> circumventing the salary cap. <laughs>
0: Let's go uh, to the West now. In BC, they lose Manny Arsenault, Solly, Jennings, Lule, Awe, Dyshawn Davis, Ricky Collins, Cody Husband, Marco Iannuzzi, Jeremiah Johnson. Jesus. The losses in BC are about a mile long and they're a mile Mm -hmm. long in Calgary as well. And I didn't even talk about Anthony orange or Winston Rose or Devere Posey or Chris Rainey or Tyrell Sutton. And you look at the additions, to that team, and yeah, they are big. Mike Raleigh, Duron Carter, John White, Suk Chung, Lamar Durant, uh, Chris, a fifteen-yard penalty, Edwards, Aaron Grimes, <laughs> uh, Brett Boyko, who actually looked like lost the offensive tackle job to uh, David mm-hmm. Foucault, and might be they might try to get him into the interior there. There, but man, everybody is really excited. And they were really excited when free agency started to get BC as getting a home playoff game with Mike Riley and everything like that. But it takes a long time for these changes to normalize. And we haven't even talked about the new coaching staff uh, either with now Devon Claybrooks being the head coach mm-hmm. in BC.
1: And, you know, Mike Riley hasn't played with Duron Carter, Lamar Durant, uh, Brian Burnham. It's going to take time for that chemistry to start clicking and get, get the offense rolling. Um, you know, So that could be an issue for the first couple of weeks, but I don't think it's going to take very long. Yeah, they seem uh, to connect Riley.
0: in the first quarter against Calgary.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike Riley is a, probably the best quarterback in the CFL right now. Uh, it won't take him long to get normalized with his offense. And, you know, he's he's a – He's a gym rat, really. He's he's first in, last out. Uh, you know, whether it's working out or, or video, uh, we heard it in, when he was in Edmonton. You know, he'd be at the he'd be at the stadium at five a.m. at the offices there to to, to work on you know winning football games and preparing. So, and I'm sure the work ethic has not changed. Uh, you know, but like you said, that the losses and the departures are a mile long. It, it's a huge turnover. For a team that made the playoffs last year, although be it getting absolutely destroyed in the East Semi, uh, with the roster turnover like that, it it might take a bit. There might be some growing pains here early in the year. And you know, BC fans now they have Mike Riley and and, you know the big names like that. They're not. I don't know how much patience there is for for a losing streak early in the year.
0: I think the uh, the fantasy names are quite clear. In BC, Mm -hmm. I I do like John White. He's sort of had a career resurgence, and it started with the Tiger Cats last year. He's probably not going to be very pricey at running pack as long as he stays healthy. Um, There's Mike Riley and there's Brian Burnham and Deron Carter, who... He can be frustrating to have on your fantasy team because one week he'll have you know 15 yards, and the next week he'll have 175. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's sometimes it's feast or famine with Duron uh, a little bit. I don't think he likes it too much when uh, defensive backs get physical with him. He'll pout uh, a little bit there. Uh, we've seen that, and I really just hope he starts to wear that undershirt properly. It's infuriating. <laughs> him and Bakari Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Deron wears worst. it like a skirt, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not very flattering. <laughs> uh,
0: and I really like, hopefully, Shaq Johnson will have himself a nice year at uh-huh. the, the Canadian spot. And last week, Javon Catoi. He is a big Canadian boy who is only 22. Played for the Langley Rams, 6'5", 230. He was a beast in that preseason game against Calgary. They probably won't use him much on offense. Maybe he comes in as an extra blocker once in a while, but he is a monster with BC. We go to Calgary. Another team where the departures are a mile long. I have their only really notable free agent signing as defensive back Courtney Stephen, but they've lost Tunde Adelike, Devaris Daniels, Emmanuel Davis, Ja'Garrett Davis, Lamar Durant, Siante Evans, Bakari Grant, and a lot of these guys were just signed as, uh, mm-hmm. you know, depth at receiver when they had all of those injuries, because Chris Matthews is there as well. But Micah Johnson, Patrick Levels, Mark and Michelle, offensive lineman Randy Richards, Alex Singleton, Jameer Thurman. Oh, man. oh Offensive lineman Spencer Wilson, too. Spencer Wilson. It it was so long, it went on to the next page. But this is going to be another one of those classic things from a John Huffnagel team where we go into the year not knowing a lot of these guys, but then... Four weeks in, it's like the Stampeders have not missed the beat, and they've had these guys pay their dues on the practice roster and be Mm -hmm. ready to come in and start when their name is called.
1: And and they—I don't want to say—I don't want to call it the scrap heap, but they find guys that other teams just don't see the value in, and they—they just pick athletes. It seems, and, and anybody that they put in any position seems to produce they don't rush guys they make sure they're ready to play everybody seems to like we've seen it when they score touchdowns the practice roster guys are out there yep and they they almost make them it looks like they're they feel like they're part of the team they're celebrating and, and you know it's a plug- and play huffnagel just year in year out builds a roster that just continually wins football games and it is infuriating as a fan of a team that is not calgary to every week, be like, "Okay, there's no way they win this one," but you just know they will, and it just sucks because you know there'll be there'll be a two game losing streak. The Riders will go in there, be like, "Okay, here we go, let's go Riders," and yeah, they <laughs> lose by thirty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they had Trey Roberson last year who came in and uh, mm-hmm. looked awesome. He's still in the uh, secondary. Deshaun Amos is going to go in there. And they still have Jamar Wall. And they bring in Courtney Stevens. So the secondary, I, I think they'll be able to recover pretty quickly. There'll be some new names on the defensive line. It does look like S.A. Marabure, who was a Saskatchewan Rough Rider once upon a time, might get the starting. Uh, starting defensive tackle spot. But they might end up rotating, you know, with Junior Turner and uh, Derek Wigan in there. But their kicking game, uh, the special teams, has been a model of consistency in this league. The depth they have at uh, running back is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Even Nick Arbuckle has started the, in the preseason looked real good behind Bo Levi Mitchell. There aren't a lot of holes on this team. There are just some guys that are kind of Unknown, but honestly, with the injuries last year, they were able to get some guys into the lineup and really see what they could see what they were made of, and you know, get them up to speed. Guy like Marquise Apples, who probably wouldn't have seen the field much last year if it weren't for no. all those injuries. But he was on the practice roster until uh, they brought him off of it in September. But then it looks like. Man, he, he belonged there all along. He had mm-hmm. 300 yards receiving after Labor Day, and he had uh, yeah four consecutive games with a touchdown, so it sure seems like Bo Levi Mitchell likes to throw to him.
1: Uh, I don't think there's a receiver Bo Levi Mitchell doesn't like throwing to. That's another uh, kinda, solid point. <laughs> kind of has to because he, gets, he goes through 15 in a year, yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems, with all the injuries that Calgary's had to the receivers over the last little while. Uh, but when you got a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell running your offense, uh, you know, you just got to make sure guy, you're, you have guys that can catch the ball uh, and, and can make plays for him. You know, Bo, Bo does a lot of the work, it seems, on that offense, uh, you know, as a field general, and it doesn't matter who they plug in. He finds a way to get them the ball and let them make the plays.
0: Eric Rogers is healthier than he was last year, and I think the guys we really need to watch are Juwan Brescison, mm-hmm. who's six foot three, two hundred and twenty-two pounds, and Reggie Bagleton, six foot two, two hundred and five pounds. You just you you just contrast the size of the Stamps receivers with the guys in Hamilton, and it's a complete opposite oh, style of game.
1: A hundred percent, hundred percent, it is. Uh, you know these these receivers can play physical. Um, they're going to be bigger than a lot of the corners, yeah, uh, which gives them the advantage. And, and Hamilton, like I said, plays a speed game. Uh, you know, Luke Tasker not not the fleetest of foot, uh, but with with Brandon Banks as fast as he is, it sets up a lot of stuff for Luke Tasker uh, if if they're able to stretch the field. So yeah, just two totally different playing styles on the offensive side of the ball, both seem to get the job done pretty well.
0: They do have a new defensive coordinator in Calgary, and Brent Monson as well, Mm -hmm. but uh, we'll we'll see how they recover to start the year. The Eskimos, and they're another team that lost a lot of talent. Mike Riley, Aaron Grimes, Darrell Walker, Duke Williams, JC Sherrod, Bryant Mitchell, uh, they are all gone, and they bring in... A lot. Greg Ellingson, Trevor Harris, Sir Vincent Rogers. I know he's hurt, but the, the linebacking corps, who on Sunday, Jason Moss said is the best linebacking corps he's seen in a CFL camp. Larry Dean, Don Yunamba, Jovan Santos. And he was Knox. in camp
1: with A.J. Gass.
0: <laughs> and they uh, bring in Tavares Daniels and Tavon Smith who they have waited for as a long time I think this off season was looked at the one that Brock Sunderland was finally able to put a mark on the Eskimos mm-hmm.
1: he was able to make it his team uh, I'm not saying that he didn't like Mike Riley but you know he, like, like this it just not solidifies but just makes it his, it, it's now something that he has built, you know, over the last couple of years now, it's really all guys that he's kind of brought in and, and drafted and, and did all the work. So it kind of, like you said, he put his mark on it. It's his team now. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of uh, guys left over from when he took over.
0: Philip Lawley is the new defensive coordinator, and it looks like they've got the horses there now to be able to play man-to-man as they try to put pressure on the quarterback, which is a lot different than uh, what Mike Benavides did for that Eskimos team. This is another team with a ton of changes that I expect they might take some time to gel as well. Sh- CFL sh- training camps are pretty short, and it's pretty tough to manage this amount of changes.
1: The one saving grace is that Ellingson came with Trevor Harris, so right off the bat, so know if things other, aren't going yeah. well with the, if things aren't going with the other receivers, there's that built-in chemistry there uh, that could be a saving grace. Uh, defensive side of the ball, that, that unit, new coordinator now, a bunch of new new bodies that could take a little bit, um, but I think the offense with the additions they made there and the changes and. Well, that stuff can, can keep them in games, and just they might have to end up outscoring other teams and not not winning on the back of their D as much early in the year. But at some point, I think, uh, like you said, just the way they're going to be putting pressure on the quarterbacks and everything is going to be different than what they have been doing under Benavides. Uh, I think once everything uh, gets comfortable and familiar, uh, we'll see that we'll see this team, you know, back like comfortably in a playoff spot and winning a lot of football games.
0: Who would you uh, prefer as your receiver in Edmonton to start the year if you had to choose, Ellingson or
1: Daniels? Probably Ellingson just because uh, of the built-in relationship and chemistry that he already has with Trevor Harris. Uh, and like like you said, CFL training camps are not that long. Uh, you know, it, it might take a little bit for him and Devaris Daniels to get on the same page uh, on a consistent basis. So right now I, I would be looking at Ellingson for sure.
0: Let's talk about the Riders where they end up losing Toby Antigua, maybe the most versatile player on the Chris Mm -hmm. Jones defense last year. He had them all over the place. They lose Brandon Bridge and Mikhail Brooks. Samuel Aguavin, I would say, is probably the team's uh, second biggest loss behind Willie Jefferson. Uh, Caleb Hawley's gone. Javon Johnson, Cresden Butler, David Watford, Cam Marshall, Josiah St. John, Eddie Steele, and Josh Bartell. Coming on to the team, Micah Johnson, Emmanuel Arsenault, Solomon and Cody Fajardo, Dyshawn Davis, Corey Watson, John Ryan, and finally they get offensive lineman Dakota Shepley coming to the CFL. One of the most interesting points I've heard about the Riders over the past few weeks is that they're a team that doesn't have a player as the face of the franchise, at least until now.
1: Uh, Now there's a chance.
0: Yeah, it's been Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. How many how many other teams have you heard that said about? In Calgary, it's Bo. In B C now it's Mike Riley. Uh you know, I don't know who you would have had it as in Toronto, probably James Wilder Junior last year. Uh it's mm-hmm. these players, but in saskatchewan it was chris jones now he's gone jason shivers is the defensive coordinator and craig dickinson is going to be the man is this a time now
1: when we can focus on the players in saskatchewan my god i hope so <laughs> but now i don't know who to i don't know who i'm gonna blame now with chris jones gone
0: yeah you're gonna you're you're probably just gonna blame Collaros for everything
1: yeah, I mean, it's a natural progression.
0: right? <laughs> I think the biggest question with this team is how long can Zach Calero stay healthy? Uh,
1: I think we set it at four and a half weeks.
0: Well, that was uh, how long Dom Davis yeah, gets the starting jump. Uh, I
1: think, we're, gonna, I think I'm we're just going to set everything at four and a half and just hope for the best. <laughs> Okay, what are you see, taking then? We'll, we'll, we'll move the line accordingly depending on where the money goes. <laughs> okay,
0: who are you taking?
1: I just don't see him staying healthy because he hasn't been able to stay healthy for the last three years. I, I take the under, though. Man. I got, like In that fourth game, he's... Granted, the, the O-line does look like it should be better.
0: Yeah. Uh, Although but, it looks like Brandon Labatt but, might miss the start of the season. yeah.
1: And, you know, Kalaros, ever since he got hurt the first time, it seems like he's not making the quick decisions anymore. Uh, he's holding on and the ball. And he'll say that to
0: himself.
1: He's one of the most honest interviews yeah. I've seen. Yeah. he and, and from what I – he's holding on to the ball too long. He's telegraphing throws. We saw that in Labor Day. You know, he goes to throw that bubble screen, and, and you knew where the play was going before the ball was snapped, and it turns into a pick six. Um, you know, and, and the longer he holds on to the ball, the harder it is for his O-line to protect him. So, you know, they, they're going to have their work cut out for them.
0: So the starting five receivers at day one of practice looked like uh, Shaq Evans, Naaman Roosevelt, Corey Watson uh, – Kyron Moore and KD Cannon Mm -hmm. so finally some guys getting some experience under their belt with Cannon Moore and Evans I'm hoping for a rebound season from Naaman Roosevelt he's had some injury issues over the past uh, little while here but if he could stay onto the field at one time it looked like he was going to be the next you know premier receiver in the CFL Mm
1: -hmm. and he he has that ability to, to go up and get the football, which is what you want from a wide receiver. And every receiver in the league can do that almost, unless they're Brandon Banks or Luke Tasker, because they're only <laughs> four feet tall. Uh, but when, when you're looking at it, like just, it's a lot of, I don't want to say no names, but they're not household names yet, except for Naaman Roosevelt. And, yeah. and, you know, they added Emmanuel Arsenal, but we don't know when we're going to see him or what Emmanuel Arsenal is going to be. We know he's not going to do anything in the first nine weeks. So, Um, (laughs) Like if teams are able to tee off, though, on Naaman Roosevelt and shut him down, those other guys are going to have to step up and and make plays. And we saw a little bit from KD Cannon last year where he can do that uh, and be a little bit of an explosive playmaker. So there is is hope. In
0: 2016, Roosevelt had just under 1,100 yards in 11 games. Uh, In 2017, Mm -hmm. in 14 games, he had 1,035 yards. And then in 2018, 14 games, 570 yards. Uh, I'm hoping he gets back into that 1,000-yard range this year if both he and Zach Kalaros can stay healthy. As for fantasy, I think Powell's probably a no-brainer to start the year.
1: Uh, I would agree with that, yep, 100%. They're going to need William Powell to pounds of football because they're gonna have to help Zach claros out in that offensive line somehow to get the passing game going. They're gonna have to be pretty balanced.
0: Let's go to Winnipeg, where leaving them they lose some interior offensive linemen in Suk Chung and Matthias Goosen. Uh, Dressler is gone. Defensive backs, Kevin Fogg, uh, Chris Randall, Taylor Loffler are gone. Defensive lineman Tristan Okapalugo is uh, gone, Uh, linebacker Javon Santos-Knox, Bryant Turner, and Ian Wild have both moved on. But uh, coming to the fold here is Willie Jefferson, defensive back Winston Rose, and wide receiver Chris Matthews. To me, this team is the most set up to compete uh, right away. (laughs) Last year, Matt Nichols started the season injured, and then when he came in, He wasn't ready to go. Uh, He was forcing the ball. He was turning it over. But now I think he should be ready to go. And I I, I could see the Bombers getting off to the quickest start because they're the team with the most continuity.
1: And the way their (laughs) roster is set up, uh, you know, Andrew Harris, it's between him and Powell every year. For yeah, for, uh, yeah. Rush, the leading rushing yards, and you know he's such a good receiver out of the backfield as well. You know it's going to come up again in the thousand one thousand season, uh, and then Matt Nichols, who you know isn't what you would typically think of when you think of a CFL quarterback. Uh, he's not the most mobile guy, uh, you know, but he he gets the job done week in and week out. The receivers, their defense. Uh, you know, it takes a bit of a hit with losing Fogg and Loeffler and losing Kevin Fogg also affects the special teams, uh, you know, so, but it just seems that, you know, they, bring they got in Willie lucky Jefferson, whitehead that, now <laughs> that defense that, yeah, that, that defense, though, it is not go is not going to worry me as much as it did once I saw everybody that was leaving uh, just because of the guys they were able to bring in. So, uh, and and the, this is kind of a make or break year for them with the with the with the age and the contract situations that they have. Uh, so I, I think they come out flying early in the year. So the CFL sent out their media survey last week. Uh,
0: I, I said to Ty, "Do you think they care if we do it separately or should we do it together?" We tried to do it together, <laughs> and two questions, in, I said, "No, I'm not doing this." Yeah. With you. <laughs>
1: And then, so you sent me the link and then my phone died. So
0: (laughs) really hoping
1: that you filled yours out.
0: I did fill mine out. (laughs) Okay, good. So (laughs) let's take a time. Let's reveal our standings. Uh, Let's start with the East Division. I don't care about the records. Just, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't even really care about the reasons. Just go first through fourth. Um, I'm... uh, I still need to decide what I'm doing with the East here.
1: So uh, let's hear what you got. I'm going Hamilton, mm, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. Uh,
0: up until the last few weeks, or the last couple days, I should say, I wanted to give Montreal a home playoff
1: game second. I, I did too, and then what happened in the last couple of days has changed my mind.
0: But I honestly think I like Kahari Jones as a coach better than Mike Sherman. So that's my
1: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was there's... just also thinking like having continuity a little bit, but once yeah, the re- yeah. once they were once once the word revolt and mutiny was used, it's like eh, maybe things aren't so peachy.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think it's gonna be Hamilton and everyone else. I I, I don't know if there's gonna be a it, it, those, clear... those bottom
1: three could finish in any order.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a clear like, you know, three and fifteen team or something like that.
1: No, no, uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to have that this year.
0: So I'm going to go Hamilton, and then I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go Toronto, Ottawa, and then Montreal.
1: Okay, I can respect that,
0: but I I, I can't no, see choice. those. I, the, that bottom three, I think they can go in any order, and maybe you know one or two wins separating them. I don't think there's yeah. going to be a horrible, you know, two and sixteen season from any of them. I really hope not. Anyway,
1: I hope I hope not.
0: <laughs> okay, let's go through the West. What do you got?
1: Oh boy, I, I, I struggled with this. It kept me up at night. <laughs> um, I, I got a real hard time picking against Calgary. Uh, so i I going go Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, B.C. B.C. with the crossover. Saskatchewan misses playoffs.
0: So I've got uh, Winnipeg first, then Calgary, then B.C., then Edmonton, then Saskatchewan.
1: Okay, okay. I, I I thought about putting Winnipeg first, but it just it's so hard to go against the, the stamps. I just couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, I think Edmonton and BC are kind of interchangeable there. Uh, mm-hmm. Edmonton's defense is better by a lot,
1: I think, than but BC. But you got to you got you to gotta remember though, BC is going to go eight and one at home.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're tough to play. <laughs> at BC plays at least they were last year, and that's what took them into the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't see Saskatchewan winning 12 games on the backs of their defense again.
1: Nope.
0: Not a chance. Last – well, I have said that about Winnipeg for how
1: long? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who do you have playing in the Grey Cup? Winnipeg-Hamilton. Me too. Who wins? Winnipeg, as much as I hate to say it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. Uh Oh, I, I just want to see one streak this is, end.
1: This is super boring, though. We just uh, agreed on that. I, I
0: just want to see one streak end.
1: I want. Well, yeah. I, I want it to be Hamilton's streak, but it's going <laughs> to be Winnipeg's. <laughs> Who's going to be MOP? Andrew Harris. MOP of the season?
0: Yep. Yep. Is he going 1,000-1,000 thousand, thousand, or what? He's going to be damn close. <laughs> I marked down Bo Levi Mitchell, and I was kind of worried... Man, I I, I thought. What, when's the last time the MOP was somebody not in the Grey Cup? And oh, it was uh, Mike Riley in 2017. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's that uncommon. I'm uh, marking down Bo two years in a row as the CFL's MOP.
1: it's I, I I can't argue that either. That's a great pick too.
0: I feel like if his uh, if his receivers stay. Thirty percent as healthy as they were last year, he should be able to put up uh, even better numbers than he did a year ago.
1: I'd, with me, Winnipeg, I, I, I could I, I could have flip-flopped them or Calgary. And if, yeah. in my eyes, if that happens and Winnipeg finishes first, it's going to be Andrew Harris is going to be such a huge part of that. And I I know it's usually a quarterback, but. Uh, if if Nichols or not Nichols, sorry. If Harris can rush for over a thousand and then maybe you know eight hundred receiving yards, I don't know how you don't give it to him.
0: Well, and then I figured uh, if if Winnipeg gets a home playoff game, they are going to be tough to beat at IG mm-hmm. Field, hundred <laughs> percent. And even if it's the semifinal, they don't, they can take that momentum. I thought they would do that this year in Calgary. It was close. They they, they didn't quite do it. But I think this is the year that the Bombers get over the hump. That is our season preview show. We'll be back on Thursday to preview week one. I will be joined by Rod Smith of TSN. Ty, I guess, do we have to leave you behind for this one?
1: It's like a 90% sure that we got to leave you behind, but I'm not working right now. We got rained out, so I'm just hoping it's still too wet to work.
0: All right, here we come rain. I will will know more Wednesday morning. (laughs) Okay, buddy. Okay, buddy. Uh, We're part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Of course, week one starts on Thursday, and the Alberta Podcast Network has partnered with Seat Giant. Head to seatgiant.ca, and if you enter the promo code APN, Not only are you going to save off 5% of your purchase, you're going to be supporting the APN a little bit as well. All the tickets sold there are in Canadian dollars, so you're not allowing your credit card to do the old... currency exchange and then you get screwed at the end of it, it's in Canadian so that is real good and all the tickets you need the CFL season starting on Thursday you want to go get yourself tickets to the Thai Cats and the Riders, SeatGiant.ca enter the promo code APN, save 5% and support us in the process, maybe the NBA Finals too I mean 5% off of 5 grand what's that save you? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I'm not a math guy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not a math guy. I'll and, leave that one alone. <laughs> but just just think, there's still there's three more games left in the NBA Finals because Golden State's winning in seven now. Is that what you figured? If Durant's healthy, there's yeah, I, I don't see how they don't. He did practice
0: on uh, Sunday, so Sunday. we'll we'll see if he gets if he, into the game. If he, tonight. Plays
1: Mon- if he plays Monday night, I'm betting on the Warriors because they will be plus money on the road. Uh oh. I am on a real big heater right now though, so it's good. Would it
0: be the biggest choke in uh, Toronto sports history if they lost this?
1: Nope. 2013. Game <laughs> 7 against against the Bruins. 3 nothing. <laughs> to me, I just still love that so so It's so much. good. <laughs> it's my favorite.
0: I I was going to tell you to rate review subscribe on iTunes, but iTunes is killing uh, or Apple is killing iTunes, so I don't know. Apple Podcasts, we'll Google Podcasts, uh, everywhere you can find uh, Two and Out. And check out us on the website as well, Two and Out. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks
1: for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.